Okay, we are recording. We are recording. Welcome, everybody, to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. My name is Dylan Murphy, broadcasting from my girlfriend's parents' spare room because I'm so cool in Galway City, Ireland. John, how the hell are you? Where the hell are you? Tell us about yourself. <clears throat> Doing all right. It's sunny and warm here in Colorado. So, Son of a bitch. Yeah, which is pretty frequent. So I am broadcasting from my um kitchen-ish area at the moment but well, yeah someone's, someone's got a kitchen rub it in uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah exactly um, my friend's kitchen <laughs> uh friends welcome this is episode number 45 we are very happy to have we're getting we have to do something special for our 50th episode john i have oh you know we could possibly do another what do you call it um we did the special with our favorite solos. We did. We could do that again. Also, we could get a bit drunk before it. Um, <laughs> have a bit of a drunk cast, just throwing it out. Scroobius Pip does it all the time. Um, but then again, he is in the same time zone as the people he's getting drunk with. We'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. Um, yeah, but it- exactly. 45, good God. Um, so, Lick of the Week, uh, it is your turn this time, and I'm going to play this through my phone, through the miracle of technology. So, let's start this in 3, 2, 1. Okay, hmm. my brain kind of went to what time signature is this in? So I kind of got a bit distracted. It sounds new. It sounds, um, I want to say, last five to ten years. Yeah, definitely. Um, can you give me? Can you give me a year? Uh, yeah, sure. Twenty fourteen. Okay, I'm gonna say it's Guthrie Govan. No, it no, is not a bad guess. Just with the time signature and the kind of like the the yeah, uh, hmm. because uh, it's actually Neely Brosh. Is it? Oh, a friend of the show, Neely Brosh. Yes, That's exactly. So uh, she is kicking ass right now. I'm following her Instagram, and she's putting up all these licks every week, and it's just dude. Crazy. I don't know how she does it. It's amazing. And that Michael Jackson show. She's a, she's an inspiration yeah absolutely so yeah this is off her can you hear the dog i, I feel like the dog is interrupting. The, I, I like it it's the official dog of the podcast it's fine. Um, right we're slowly turning into the uh the weekly planet at that shut right up now. john <laughs> because they're my biggest idols my best friend actually met one of the weekly planet guys a couple of days ago he's in australia and I, no him you son of a bitch. Um, hi, Steve. I know you're not listening. Um, so, uh, yes, we official dog of the podcast. So, uh, no, dog, tell me more about this, this song, this riff, this um, beautiful lick of the week. Yeah, so this is Adaptable Creatures. I am, I'm, I'm going to do something about the dog. I, I can't. Okay. <laughs> we can always edit this out. But let's not. Let's keep the magic oh, going. That's fine. I'm, I'm just going to put you like right here. Just you sit here, yeah, dear listener. This is where I tell you all my secrets. Oh, John's back. Um, yep. So, and there's, there's, there's the dog. He's, he's now next to me. Hopefully, that will 
listeners Silent can't see the, the dog they'll have to use their imagination yes um cool adaptable creatures is this the one with virgil donati on it uh i think virgil donati was on I, I know he played on the album and to be honest uh i'm i'm trying to figure that out right now i can't remember if he played on this track um he did he, he no played. he did alien hip-hop that's right yeah which mm. is is mine yeah, i don't know i don't know who's on this particular track yeah. uh but this anyway this is a riff that i really I, I don't know i just i love the opening riff um and then the beginning has these cool kind of it's interesting you um you, you mentioned guthrie govan because i kind of that's sort of the, the kind of player i think of her as because yeah. it has a little bit of that <clears throat> experimental jazz rock not quite metal sound to it you know um, yeah, it's it's yeah, but with that, that time signature, but it has that kind of like really kind of not metal, just kind of shred tone. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. that's that's kind of where where I think of her, anyways, somewhere in between like Steve Vai and Guthrie Govan. But uh, I, I I think her melodies are actually really listenable as well, which is pretty cool. So anyway, yeah, big, big thing, it. very important. Um, so very very nice choice, John. Uh, hats off to you. Um, I so for for um, Gear Talk, you suggested this for Gear Talk this week. We're going to <laughs> our recurring segment is Blank Dead. Um, we're going to talk about uh, is or are tube amps um, dead, or is there any point to use them anymore? Um, Jim Little has a really good video, friend of the show, fellow friend of the show, because we've got lots of friends now because we're almost fifty. Um, has a very has a really good episode on uh, is are tubes necessary these days? Um, but you know, I'd I'd like just you know he, he makes some good points. I'd like to hear your thoughts about okay. Tubes. Yeah, I, I honestly I haven't seen Jim's uh, post on this, so I'd I'd also That's like to probably you. good. That's probably good that you haven't. It'll it'll it'll, it'll because he's I know he's a big fan of Kemper, Kemper yeah. stuff, and and that's the thing. So part of this comes up because I had a student come in this week with a modeling amp, and kind of the discussion arose around the studio. We had one of our new teachers there. And then there was Mark, who was also there. We had like four of us talking about the pros and cons anymore. And it's kind of hard because essentially the tube amp um, is, I, I don't know if, I, I don't want to say it's, it's on the way out, but there is, there is some question as to the usefulness of it. I know a lot of people that have Kempers now. I know a couple of people with Axe Effects, and I know a couple of people with the Helix. Yeah. And a few of them said they'll never go back. And a handful of them kind of keep them around. And some of them, I know one guy who still runs his Helix through a complicated system, and it, it t sends it out through his Morgan amp. So there's... It, anyway... A lot of different things. My, I think overall, I would say the tube amp, the tubes still give you a warmth and a response that I'm not sure is perfectly emulated yet to someone who knows what they're listening for. But I think for the average listener, I don't think that matters, you know, and you can get really close to a, to a perfect tone with just a modeler and the way at least according to Kemper, the, the way they do their 
what, what are they, 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 theirs isn't a modeling process. What do they call their process? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. It's not modeling. It's a emulation or something like that. So they try really hard to emulate a particular set of tubes and how those tubes respond. And so for me, I don't think I'm going to get rid of my box, for example, but at the same time, my next purchase is going to be one of those three items. Because yeah, we, yeah, which we've discussed ease, in previous episodes. Yeah, the, yeah, the, 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 ease, yeah, the ease of use of it is, is a big thing. So for, for someone that's starting out, I mean, most of my students end up buying something like one of the newer Line 6s or they get a Katana or they get a... The, the Fender, which is a good modeling amp, the Fender Mustang, Vox's Valvetronic series is really good. And they've got a tube preamp, which models everything else really well. So then it's kind of, if you're doing that, then what's the question, or what's the point of having a, a power tube if that's the only other thing that's driving it? So I, I, I do think there is a particular tone that for the most part a tube amp offers that a solid state does not, but when you're getting into emulation and you're using things like Kemper and X effects and even some of the VSTs now like bias and guitar rig are better than they've ever been. So yeah. I, I don't know to answer the question is the amp is the tube amp dead? I don't think so, but maybe it's on life support. <laughs> so. <laughs> Zing. Um, I, no, I, I, I completely agree with, with, the reach you're coming from um, I bought a tube amp about two or three about two years ago now and um, bought a Blues Junior with the money that I I don't know I, I worked over Christmas and I got like you know a grand in tax back so I was like I'm gonna get a good tube amp and the Blues Junior is, is it's a gorgeous amp and you know they say it's the most popular tube amp in the world and it probably is because of like the price and everything mm. and the sound is is really really nice but it's as far as versatility and stuff I mean it's 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 really good but you have to crank it to get a mm. decent sound out of it like for playing at home it has that fat switch which is great but there's a few things like a few things have gone wrong like i lent it to a friend who left it on for way too long oh no and, uh, blew blew one of the tubes in it and um i it was just like uh, it, it, was, it was you know trying to fix it yourself is a nightmare because you could die if you try and fix a tube amp by yourself <laughs> with no knowledge of what you're doing. So yeah, the expense of that was a pain in the ass to get that fixed. Um, tube amps are heavy. Yeah. They're really, really heavy. I just think right now, I think it's, you know, back in the, in the day, um, you know, it's what people use because it got the best sound because, mm -hmm. and that was the closest thing they could get. But nowadays well, it, it doesn't have to be like that. And really until like the last four or five years, I think that's, that's still been the case because the, the solid state technology and the emulation technology just really wasn't there. I remember I had a teacher who was really excited about the pod when the pod came out, you know? Oh man, I loved the pod back in the day. And it was amazing because you essentially had all these different amp sounds in one little package and it was genius, but it wasn't like you wouldn't want to use it in the studio, you know? And, no. and it was Home recordings, yeah, but it's certainly questionable as a live rig as well because I, and I knew a few people that had like rack mount pods that they would run through a tube power amp and it was just kind of, the response isn't there, you know, it's just, it's yeah. kind of flat, but that's all changed. Um, 
And line six had sort of led with a lot of that technology. But then when you had fractal audio and the Axe effects come out, like that was, it was another level. And then Kemper and now the Helix is a, is a fascinating thing. Super easy user interface, which is great. And so many people working on good tones now yeah. and, and miking up things that essentially because things like the Kemper, you can pick a particular mic, you know, you can use a ribbon mic on a Marshall stack and then you've got that locked in and <laughs> you're able to, to dial in the tone and what would it sound like if it was over here or over there? And it just, it becomes such a useful tool that I think it, it makes more sense in the long run to have something like that. And I wonder yeah. who, who really needs those particular tube amps in their studio. You know, if, if I'm setting up a studio, I'm kind of honestly thinking like <sighs> the only reason I would have all those different tube amps, a Vox and a Marshall and a Fender and uh, an Orange and anything else that, you know, comes to mind, the only reason I would have those is because somebody would walk in and that's what they would expect to see. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. That That makes me think, you know, it really does depend on what you're, how much what you want to do with it really i mean you know the majority of people like one of the points i was reading an article there a guitar world article about like you know you know the big the most famous amps but like you know depending on what you're doing if you're not tom morello or slash like you don't need you don't need a massive jcm 800 or like who yeah who is ever going to need a hundred watt marshall stack and somebody said that before as well like talking on the gi forums is like if you live in ireland and you gig in ireland you do not need a stack. You, know, <laughs> you, will, you will never, ever play a venue big enough to require that much power. Well, even if you do, it's mic'd up. Yeah. You know, so I've seen shows recently where, and metal shows where essentially, yeah, they have a, a 412 cab. But the 412 cab is mic'd, you know. It's like you don't need a wall of them. And, and on top of that, that 412 cab, you know, they're not running it at 10. It's no, nobody is. You don't need to. And if, if you're playing a medium-sized venue, and I mean, you know, something where you're, it's 800 to 1,000 people or something, or maybe that's a big venue. I'm not really sure. Um, but if, even if you're playing to 1,000 people, you're mic'd up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, your dog is... is I know. It's, he's, he's agreeing with you the whole way. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. So to, 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 to wrap this up, I suppose the main point is, like, we can see, yes, uh, you know, about, you know, why pick a tube amp, we can think, yeah, I mean, I suppose, do you or whatever. But when it comes to versatility and the other options out there, at least right now, maybe not a couple of years ago, as you said. Yeah. You know, the options that are out there now, it's kind of hard. Like, I am getting a katana. I've decided I am. And I don't care. <laughs> Will I sell my Blues Junior for it? Probably not. But I'm not ruling out. Yeah, see, see, that's where, where I am. Like, I would probably sell my rack gear that I have. I've got a Ignator rack mount preamp and a Mesa Boogie power amp. And I really don't know what to do with it because no one's going to pay that money for it. The, you know, and, and so I, I just... I'm sort of stuck, but I'm not going to get rid of the Vox because it's, it's handy when you go to a gig where, you know, there's no PA 
and you're just doing something like playing Christmas tunes or whatever. In fact, I, I did that. <laughs> We've all done that. Yeah. So it was like there, there was a PA, but it was, they only had enough for essentially miking the, the, the vocalist. And so I was not mic'd. And yeah. Was, okay, that's fine. And we worked out how to balance the sound and it was fine. And I played this little dance hall Christmas gig and it was fine. But it was, yeah. you know, I wouldn't have been able to do that if all I had was a line six or a Kemper or an Axe Effects. Like, I can't just, I wouldn't have been able to just do that. But yeah, uh, that's, yeah, exactly. Have you heard of, we might talk about this next week. Um, have you heard about these Lunchbox amps? The, no, no. They're, they're made by uh, ZT amplifiers. Um, oh. One of my buddies in Cork was playing with one before. They're like, um, I read about them in Guitar Magazine as well. The this, this session player was saying it's like the ultimate amp because like, you can carry it. It's got a, like a small handle. It's in the shape of a lunchbox. And I'll send you a link. But it's all about, uh, it, basically, if you show up at a gig with uh, every sound man in the world will love you because it's such, it's just like external output. Boom. Nice. Great tone. So uh, I will forward that on to you. $449. Mm. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Um, cool. Dollars towards a towards a line or to a helix. Yes, there you go. Finally, I got it out. There you go. Yeah. Um. Cool, friends. What do you think? Do you think tubes are dead? What do you What do you use them for? Um. What's your favorite tube amp? We want to know. Tell us. Tell us what you think. And tell um, us why. Yeah. This is like a college essay. Don't give us the yeah. answer. Tell us why. Anyway, um, <laughs> our college days are behind us. Thank Christ. Um. So. Greg Howe, such a nice interview last week. We are going to do part two now. Um, sorry to keep you waiting a week, but, you know, we're, we're such teases over here at Sharp and Lanark. Um, so have a listen, and we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you afterwards. What I noticed with a lot of guitar players is that their fingers, their scales, their shapes are kind of dictating for them how the guitar should be played, as opposed right. to them figuring this stuff out in their minds and then going to the fretboard to figure out how, how to make that, you know, how to make what's in their mind uh, come off the fretboard. It's interesting that you kind of just, you describe this whole process. And I think for me, listening to your latest album, like I really get a sense of that coming across. Yes. That whole it probably process. more so than ever. Be, right. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and different, I mean, not that your other stuff was not exploratory, but this really seems to be kind of set free from mm -hmm. a lot of the bounds of, like you were saying, just the shapes or the scales. Right. And this last album that you, you put out just seems to be really free and more genuinely an expression, I guess, if that, that makes sense. That's, so it makes me so happy to hear you say that because <laughs> it really is, it really was a goal. It really was how I felt. It, it sort of ended up almost having to be that way because I didn't have a lot of time to do it. So it was a certain weird blessing in disguise that it was like, I don't have time to overthink this. I just don't because we got a tour coming up and I got these other things I'm working on. So let's just keep it real. You know, it, and yeah. it actually, one of the things that's been helping me a little bit is because it, I'll be the first to admit the studio can spoil you, you know, Totally. The early days, some of those early albums like Parallax and, and, and you know, Uncertain Terms and all that, and you're kind of like in the studio, you've got no real oversight, and this, <laughs> <laughs> you, 
you know, you're walking around in your pajamas just kind of going, yeah, you know, you know what? I think I can do it better. Let me do it. Yeah, let me get that again. Yeah. Let me try another one. <laughs> let me fix that lick. Let me fix this one. Oh, that was almost perfect. Let me just fix that. And so you end up with these presentations that are, that are bordering on sometimes unrealistic or unrealistic in terms of what, what, I'm, what I really would play like. Yeah. And so you're getting this sort of super version like of, of me and I didn't really want to do that again like in other words for me to you know if you saw me playing live like the Parallax album it would be one of my best days you know um, so I want to sound like I sound <clears throat> and so what's really cool is um, in social media I, I just randomly I'll, I'll post videos of me just in my studio messing mm -hmm. around to, to some backing track and they're much more um they, they're much more in alignment with, with who I really am and what I really do, what I would really sound like if you were sitting with me. And, uh, and I watch them and I'm like, you know, that's a, you know, why don't you know, just learn to get comfortable with this is who you are. So just go with this. Just, you know, don't worry about you have, you know, don't worry about anything and don't worry about trying to, you know, change the world with some new lick just play just be greg howe playing the guitar and that's really the thing that i've learned and it's it or i feel like it has been expressed on this album more so than any of the others which is that i'm not really out trying to prove anything i'm just trying to make music saying this is greg howe this is how i play uh, this is how i hear music this is the way that i do it and if you like it here it is hopefully you like it and if not that's cool too but um this is what it is. So just getting comfortable, honestly getting, and, and part of that is also when I think about being a young guy, 17, 16, maybe even 20. And, uh, the guys that I was really into listening to back then, like Van Halen, of course, mm -hmm. and, um, any, any, you know, Steve Ray Vaughan, and Alan Holger, or even Yngwie back then, mm -hmm. or Larry Carlton. And, um, you know, the truth of the matter is if I was sitting in front of Eddie Van Halen, even to this day, and, and he showed up and played somewhere with a guitar, and it was his worst day playing, just hearing his fingers hit the fretboard with that signature vibrato, that signature tone, that signature thing, it's already done. You know what I mean? Like, that's all I would need. It doesn't, mm. I don't need to see the greatest Eddie Van Halen uh, display of fireworks i just i didn't show up for that i just showed yeah. up to hear a unique voice that you can't get anywhere else so that's what i always try to encourage with people is just to say look embrace your own thing don't uh, because once you become once you become a, a voice that's recognizable then there's nothing more to prove you know it's like christopher walken is one of my favorite actors and it's not because he's necessarily the best actor it's just that you can't get that anywhere else except right there always him right exactly so that's what i tend to like in guitarists and musicians in general um it's more a voice that's unique that a unique you know nobody sounds like this guy and and all the greats i think have that you know hendrix had that steve Vaughan had that van halen um you know robin ford uh you name it. I mean, all anybody who has reached that level of uh, 
super guitar player, really the, the, the thing that makes them so great is the fact that they have very distinct voice. And so that's really what I'm always shooting for now at this point, is to make sure that I'm just being more Greg Howe. Yeah, so there's there's a couple of things. I mean, you're, you're sort of hitting on a certain level of technical ability to be able to express yourself. But that, sure. even as you're saying that, like that comes from inside and just being able to think in your head about certain melodies or certain ways to play things. And yeah. that's, that's kind of where that uniqueness comes. But it sounds to me you're also sort of talking about cultivating or practicing, if you will, musicianship. Mm -hmm. Like you're really thinking yes. about, you're thinking about how you're attacking the strings. You mentioned that. That was one of the first things you said this evening was just like, how how are we attacking those strings or you know what's that right. vibrato like and, and really looking for your own sound so there's an element it seems to me like you'd even would you suggest i guess like as you're working on something you're writing or practicing if you were talking to another guitar player say hey you need to spend time figuring out how you want that note to sound how how are you going to attack it how are you not not greg howe not eddie van halen not anybody else but how mm -hmm. are you guitarist going to play that note? Yes. Um, it, it, it Really, this becomes almost a philosophical discussion because <laughs> somebody has to recognize, a student or a practicing musician has to recognize that that's something important to them to even know, to, to, to even explore that, that area. Um, I think the problem, the challenge, I wouldn't say problem, but the challenge with with certain players is that, you know, when, it, when, it, when a guy is getting good, you know, here's the thing. Um, and I know I'm kind of jumping from subject to subject, but it's... It's great, man. All of it's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. But, uh, you know, like, when you're young and you're trying to emulate your favorite players, mm. and then you finally get to a point where you're actually starting to do it, um, the... It, the the cool factor has already been verified. They, they, in other words, you know that what you're playing is cool because it's already been shown to be cool. Uh, the guy already has recognition and people already like him. So obviously, you know, you know that you're you're going the right direction. Where where I think it requires a little more bravery is when you feel that you're ready to sort of go past that. And what I see sometimes is that people have very special qualities about their playing that they don't that they don't allow to emerge because they 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 haven't gotten validation about whether or not that's cool. So there are many guitar players and students that I've taught sometimes, and they'll they'll have some particular thing that they do that's really cool, really unique, some strange lick or some strange approach or some weird attack that's really unique, and they're trying to fix it. And I'm going, no. Don't fix it. That's what you do. That's your thing. That's what's going to make you stand out. You know. So embrace yourself. Embrace who you are, and and but try to recognize it from an objective, listening perspective, and and not from some self-created bias that you've now created. I mean, I there was a time when I was young. I remember thinking nobody could play. You know, any solo section I heard, Van Halen played at sixteen bar solo. I'm like, yep, that's as good as it could. Be. No one else could do it better than that. That's as good as it gets. Those are the best notes that could be there. Right. And that's nothing more than a uh, just a, a self-induced bias. You know what I mean? It has nothing to do with reality. It's just a, 
you know, it's like when you watch people that have that, that take partisan sides. A lot of times, they don't even know why they are that way. It's just because their parents were that way. So, um, I think it's often the same thing. So, becoming open-minded enough to be to be able to listen to yourself objectively and really pretend that you're not the guy playing, and ask yourself, would I like what this is? Is this cool sounding to me? Do I like what this is? Uh, because I think you know, for me at least. So much of what I do on the guitar that has been categorized under unique or, you know, sort of new territory was never the result of me trying to be unique or new. It was always the result of me being unsuccessful trying to do something conventional and ha having no choice but to come up with some, uh, you know, some other version, some other way to do it that, you know, envisioning something in my mind and going, somehow I got to get those amps these, these notes that come through my speaker cabinet, somehow it's got to be done. I can't do it the way that guy's doing it. I can't do, you know, I couldn't play that crazy Space Invader lick that Sean Lane does, but I could probably come up with something that sounds a lot like it. Um, but it would be done in a different way entirely. So uh, not that I have a desire to do that particular thing, but I'm just using it as an example. Right. Um, there are a lot of phrases that I see with jazz players where, particularly from the bop uh, school, where when I watch them do certain things, <clears throat> it's hard for me to describe exactly what I'm talking about, but a lot of chromaticism, especially, you know, that, that yeah. kind of thing. When I watch them do it, the fingerings are, um, I know what the fingerings are because I've, I've seen enough, you know, Joe Pass type of stuff in my life to know what it is. But when I do it, there are fingerings that, that achieve the same types of patterns, but that feel much more comfortable under my fingers and are much different. They're, in other words, they're freight, they're, they look way different than that. Um, and so for, you know, so sometimes psychologically, I can remember when I first started exploring some of that territory, I thinking, you know, I, I don't, I'm not doing this right, but always then, you know, slapping myself in the face and remembering it's not about right or wrong. It's about, does it sound good? Does this sound good or does it yeah. not? That, that's really what it comes down to. Um, so if there's anything that I see holding guitarists back sometimes, it's, a sort of self-imposed set of rules that they think they have to abide by or, or they, they, they haven't, uh, they're, they're not worthy until they can do this particular thing or, you know, sometimes the best thing to do is just come to terms with the fact that a particular, there might be a particular aspect of playing that you're, that's just not you. And, and that's fine. You know, it could just be that that's the more honest version of who you are. You know what I mean? I'm sure that if Steve Ray Vaughan watched Alan Holdreth play, he would probably say that was really enjoyable, really great. But I don't think it would necessarily make him have any desire to go learn that stuff, or, or, or I don't think it would make him say to himself, boy, I have to go practice. Do you know what I'm saying? Because he had already mastered what his vision of his own musical, uh, you know, he'd already mastered his own musical vision, so to speak. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Ed, Greg, just going back to, um, you're talking about, we've uh, spoken to a few people and they've talked about uh, using Instagram as like a, a, you know, a, a tool to promote their music and you've said the same. 
Um, I went on your Instagram recently, and it had your uh, your pedal board had just been freshly set up, and uh, it was it looked like a fantastic board. And um, could you talk to us about how your gear maybe influences your I don't know, your musical process? Oh, hugely. Um, they're 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 one and the same. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Again, so many of these. You guys have great questions, and uh, I could. I could really talk for a long time about each one, so I'll try to condense it down. But um, I do have a, you know, I, I do have a particular way of playing the guitar that's that is a little bit different, I think, than some guys. And I rely a lot on my left hand, and so, and at the same time, I don't like the sound of a lot of distortion. So sometimes, somehow, I've got to find this balance between a lot of gain that doesn't sound like a lot of gain and that's going to work well for my style which is which is relying heavily on the left hand so i need that evenness so there has to be enough you know sort of compression in the front end of the amp um so it all works together and and the amp works with the guitar the guitar in the amp I, I tell people all the time i don't just play the guitar i play the guitar and amp because playing a really cool guitar with the wrong amp is just as bad as having a, you know, oh a lousy guitar. <laughs> yeah, <you know? laughs> absolutely. You know, so, um, so I guess, in in general, um, your question was how does the, how does my equipment work in terms of working with my approach or technique? Um, I don't know how I would describe that specifically, other than to say that right now. We're working with a prototype amp with DV Mark, um, and this is a strange thing that's been happening with me recently. Like as I get older, I find that I just keep getting way more into these vintage concepts. So I'm essentially playing a Stratocaster now. <laughs> essentially, I mean, Kiesel makes a beautiful guitar, right? But it's it's basically a Strat. It's a you know five way switch. You get all the, the those great spanky second and fourth position tones and and, uh, you know, I, I've, I've gotten rid of the Floyd Rose. I've gone back to a more vintage-style bridge. Um, I've even sort of gotten into 22 frets again, which, you know, <laughs> is a little bit different. The amp, the, amp that I'm, right, the amp that I'm using right now is about as basic as you can possibly get. It is like an old-fashioned, like, JTM 45, you know, just big, fat wow. transformer, a couple of EL34s. No effects loop, no master volume, uh, no gain stage, just pure organic tone, and it's really nice. So what I've been using is I, <clears throat> I was uh, fortunate enough to work with Carl Martin on a signature pedal that we ended up doing, which is a pretty cool pedal. It's got it's really like three pedals in one. Um, so we ended up calling it the Lick Box. <laughs> Pardon? I think where you you've a YouTube where you run through it. Uh, it's 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 you you sold it to me essentially. Oh, okay, <laughs> great. Want. Yes. So so yeah, and I, so what's really cool is that I really am using that. A lot of times, I, you know, I work with companies. We design something, and then by the time it comes out, I've kind of changed my mind a little bit, or I've moved to a new idea, and so I end up not using it as much as I wish I was. But in this case, this pedal really, really, really came out awesome. So um, everything that I'm doing now, everything that I did on these last few tours has been 
this very basic setup, which is basically my guitar into my pedal. I'm using the second and third gain stage of the pedal. So I'm the, the crunch channel and the overdrive, super overdrive pedal. All four knobs, that is the volume and gain, volume and gain uh, of each at about 10 o'clock. And I just hit the front of that amp with that, and that's all I'm doing. Wow. Uh, it's that basic. Um, the other pedals that I have on my board are basically all, um, you know, just it's like a wah pedal. What I, I mean, it's ba very basic stuff. I have a wah pedal. I have, uh, for making fun noises, I have that new whammy pedal that's got the drop tuning on it. Um, right. And then some reverbs and delays, uh, chorus. Um, that's about it. I, I don't, there's really not much more than a tuner. <laughs> so um, it's about as basic as you can possibly get. And, and uh, I, I just, I find that I prefer that the older I the get, the more I The guy you're using, is that correct? Pardon? One more time. Can you say that again? Sorry, yeah, um, is it's the Buddy Guy wow that you're using? Yeah, it's the Buddy Guy Dunlop wow, which is, according to what they say, it's it's the closest thing to a crybaby, but with a true bypass, sort of, uh, you know, a true bypass. So, okay, we'll see. So this, uh, this kind of dovetails into a question that we ask everybody that we have mm -hmm. on the show. If you're stranded on a desert island... Okay, you've got a guitar and an amp, probably a cab, and, you know, of course a power source. We don't know where the power comes from. That's not really part of the question. Right. <laughs> okay, but you, you, get to, you get to take one pedal. What is that pedal going to be? Wow, that's a great question. I have a guitar and an amp. Yep. Most people hate this question. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I think that if it were the amp that I've been using, this prototype amp now, I, yeah. I would probably just, I, I, honestly, I would probably just take a reverb pedal. Just the I, reverb? I, All right. Just like a reverb, yeah. I wouldn't need heavy distortion. Uh, I wouldn't re need to have that. I, yeah. I would rather have the tone um, and just something that's going to be real musical. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, if I had to pick. If I had two pedals, then I'd take the distortion pedal with the uh, with the reverb. <laughs> no, 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 we can't allow that. Can't do that. Just the <laughs> one. Against the no, that's yeah, that's awesome. Actually, yeah, reverb and delay pedals seem to be the most common. I think we've had a couple of looper pedals as well. Oh, okay, that's so, not bad. But yeah, looper's yeah. not bad. Excellent. Well, Dylan, do you have any other questions for Greg? Um, I just have a very um. I just have a very quick question because I've been listening to your solo stuff and it's it's mind-blowingly good. But oh, thank you, thank you, you so much. Have, oh, not not at all. But you, you um, you've also I was looking at your your session work kind of background, mm -hmm. and uh, could you just tell us like a little bit about I don't know maybe uh, one of the artists that you played with that you enjoyed maybe the most or because you you filled in for Jennifer Batten, am I correct? Wikipedia is a pickle mistress. Yeah, yeah. Well. Um, you know, most of the stuff that I've done as a sideman has been live. Uh, although there was a couple of things, tracks I did on uh, the last Michael Jackson album. Um, 
and there's been some things I've done, you know, some tracks like Laura Pulsini and stuff. But I think you're asking mainly about artists that I've worked, you know, big artists that I've worked for, where I was with them for a while, and whether or not it was fun. And, but is that more or less what you're asking? What it was like to work with some of these bigger artists? Or if there was one that you just, like, you found a real pleasure to enjoy, or a real pleasure well, to, to play with? Yeah, um... I, would, I mean, I mean, touring with Enrique Iglesias was a lot of fun because he was a lot of fun. But I would be lying if I said the music was real fulfilling because it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was I, just trying to keep it blunt. But um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that it's it's pop, you know. So it's designed to be very easy to comprehend by yeah. an average listener. Um, and sometimes that's great. You know, I, you know, I'd love to play with somebody like Sting. If you listen to it, this 10 Sumner's Tales album, that's, that's great music. It's not super complicated, but it's, but it's great music. Yeah. Um, but as far as artists and players, um, I, I'm honestly, Simon is probably, you know, he's the songwriter and the artist for this last protocol album. Mm. And this is probably the most fun music. That's not mine that I've ever played, uh, you know, because he thinks so much like I do that it kind of feels like, you know, it kind of feels like it's, you know, an album that I did. Wow. So it's really fun to play that music. It's really fun to be out, the, to, to play with him on that tour with these musicians and with that music. I would have to say that that's probably the most fun of any artist that I've ever worked with uh, that, um, uh, you know, that's outside of my own, doing my own thing. Wow. Cool. Great answer. Yeah, I have to go back and check out that album. Yeah, I think you'll like it. It was really, it was fun to record it. It's a cool vibe. We didn't have, uh, Dennis Ham ended up recording the keyboards on it, but on tour we had Otmore Ruiz. Oh. Um, both, great, both great players. Um, but I haven't had much of a chance to play with Dennis live. I've, I've done some gigs with him, but... Uh, not as much as Morrow and Morrow is just he's you know he's just you know we have a lot of fun trading doing trade-offs and stuff and we really he's just a lot of fun to play with he really is an unbelievable player cool. the whole band is the whole band is just so high level so and that's another thing I think that I like about it is that you it keeps you up you know it keeps you having to like okay well I gotta you know I can't slouch I can't just lay back here I gotta you know what I mean? Like, I got to hang with these guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> for sure, got to make sure I'm on point. Excellent. Well, Greg, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. This will probably so air, much. I think, in about six weeks. I think. Cool. Um, yeah. So, and from there, just to uh, in case someone's been living under a rock, where can they find <laughs> out more about you? <laughs> Yeah, uh, greghow.com, and but also um, my social media, most of which is Greg Howe Guitar. So I think my Facebook is Greg Howe Guitar, Instagram is Greg Howe Guitar, um, and I think YouTube is Greg Howe Guitar, and I think <laughs> <Yeah>. Twitter is. <laughs> so I think I think they are that. So if you, yeah, and and all of them are are accessible through greghow.com. So 
Yeah. You can, Excellent. You, so, so you basically, get all the listeners, info if you can remember three words, you can find all the information on Greg Howe. <laughs> so. Yes. There you go. Great. Excellent. Thanks so much, Greg. We'll, 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 let you, we'll let you go. Very cool. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. Hope all right. You enjoyed. Yeah. Have a good one. Absolutely. Thanks again. Thank right, you. you, too. So, Greg Howe, what a guy. Um, possibly the biggest name we've had that you know that's we'll talk about that I, I, I'm, I, I'm not gonna lie super flattering to have him be like you guys ask hard questions <laughs> yeah we, we, we do we do our research um yeah it was such a nice it was such an easy guy to talk to uh so open and very modest and his pedal looks really cool man the one that he was talking about there the uh, carl martin pedal yes you know just yeah. the three parts it's you know it's making me consider my my tone workstation uh, purchase, which I will buy soon now that I have a big boy job. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, also, you know, if you go on Greg's Instagram, he has loads of pics of setting up his pedal and there's a really great uh, video of he found a backing track for one of his songs on the internet. So he's like, I'm just going to post a video of me playing along to this. I didn't know this existed. So, uh, really, really cool. Are you getting a phone call, John? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That is the, the doorbell. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole just got home. So, right. Anyway, you get to your private life there. Your yeah, dog exactly. and your wife in the same episode. Um. Yeah. So, really nice guy, John. Any thoughts on 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 Greg? Uh, our interview with Greg. You know, I I really appreciated just kind of his insights into uh, his production of the album, and or I. I just appreciated his insights into the production of the album, just kind of how things came together for him and, and what he was able to, to do and just kind of reaching for a little bit more of his own voice. And wow, the, the dog is really just going at it. We are the most professional <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, we're, yeah. Anyway, but find, finding his own voice, and it was something that I, it made me think about something I've heard Steve Vai say a couple of times, and just that if you are, if there's something that you excel at, it's better to work at that and just get as good as you can instead of focus all your time on the stuff that you're not good at, you know? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, maybe we can we can talk about that in our next segment. I'm just going to segue straight to it. Thanks, Greg, for being on our podcast. Um, to John, what have you been working on? So this week, um, kind of a continuation from what I was doing last week, where I mentioned I was working on some classical stuff. That's been a big part of it. I yeah. came across some sweet picking exercises by Christophe Godin and then... Oh. Guitar technique. Oh, we are just um, dropping dropping names. Yeah, I know, like friend of the show. So <laughs> it's um, it's yeah, that was cool. So it was like, hey, what does he have to say about it? He had some really good insights on sweet picking. And the thing that I've had to say to a lot of students is, if you if you care about sweet picking, it's not your right hand because just how fast can you strum? That's your limit in your right hand. It's yeah. Or in how do you play across the strings legato patterns? in your left hand it's far more important that you get your left hand up to speed and then you can focus on that synchronization and he he brings out that point in a couple of exercises that just kind of build on that idea to get you up to speed so that was i, I felt like that was a great little exercise and it's really interesting yeah what uh, what have you been working on because that guy can sweep like a monster like he's oh my gosh it's ridiculous mm. so i 
<clears throat> so I was working my way, uh, frolicking through Chris Zupa's, uh, his, his ultimate <laughs> shred uh, course on Udemy. Um, and I was doing really well and I was able to like play my, my uh, I had the free house for the weekend. So I was able to crank my blues junior like it needs to be cranked. And, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, play along in the house. And then I hit this Paul Gilbert exercise, which is just, and in, we've talked about this before on, you know, about learning exercises or learning uh, techniques and bringing it up to speed, like taking small parts and compartmentalizing them mm-hmm. uh, into bigger parts. So I've been doing that. I've been spending loads, probably too much time on that. It's just an exercise. It's just threes in, you know, three notes per string exercise going up and down. But it's great because I don't play, like a lot of the stuff I don't play, I wouldn't go that far up the neck. And there's a lot of stuff up there, like 20... 1917 kind of runs like that like up and down yeah um, so that's been really good and kind of improving my um upper fretboard dexterity if you will um so yeah i've been i've been digging that that course is just it's it's so fun and just the stuff that you get out of it like i'm not a big you know i, I would listen to a bit of shred but it's really cool i can just feel in my hands the this the strengthening of the, the exercise the, the strength that the exercises are giving me so that's that's kind of what i've been working on mostly very cool. And what have you been listening to? What have I been listening to? Going to check the old phone. Um, I've spoken before about one of my favorite albums of the year is a band by a band called The Screaming Females, which is my ultimate uh, lineup for a band and that it has a girl lead singer who can shred guitar. Um, so uh, their album, that's All at Once, has been my album that I keep on going back to. They also do a killer cover of um Cheryl Crow's If It Makes You Happy But It's All Grungy and Loud. Um, cool. Also, I have been listening to a lot of uh, 90s songs because I had my first gig back with my 90s um, band the other night and that was a lot of fun. Nice. Um, I've listened to a bit of uh, Kate Bush um, and I have been, I went back to 10 by Pearl Jam today. Oh, wow. There you because go. I heard, uh, I heard a it's something about black about one of my friends said black by Pearl Jam is one of the best songs I've ever written. And I was like, well, you know, the whole album is so good. So I got to go back. Um, that solo in Alive, man gets me every time. It's like two minutes long. It's just so good. So good. Um, yeah. So that's what I've been listening to. How about you? Nice. I have been listening to Marty Friedman's last release. When was that released? Uh, 2017 called Wall oh, of Bound. Wow. So yeah, he was, he was on tour with it and he passed through the States as well. Unfortunately, I missed that tour. Um, I think it was with Gail the Summit and somebody else who was, uh, I can't remember. Sarah Longfield's band. I can't, I'm totally blanking on what they're called, but, um, anyway, yeah, monstrous album. I mean, obviously it's Marty Friedman, so you get everything you expect in terms of tone, but also shred so he's got a couple of more ballad-esque sounds, but, you know, it's Murray Friedman, so I kind of hesitate to call them ballads, but... Yeah, I'm yeah. Just, uh, I've always loved his use of scales. I think he is just so interesting in his... Yeah, his he, he definitely has some, like, some cool choices. Um, so the, the song Four Friends, a great one. Blackest Rose is a really good one on there, too. So there you go. Have you seen his, um, his television show in Japan? like his show that he has. No, I haven't. Yeah, I, knew, like, I was aware of it, but I haven't seen it. And we will post a link to the, to the Facebook wall. I will do that uh, of him. Like he just kind of challenges other guitar players. Not really, but it just looks like a lot of fun. And he's just 
like yelling in Japanese and everybody's going, ah, that's great. But like, <laughs> it's Paul like Gilbert, game show. Yeah. Paul Gilbert's on it. And cause of course he is. And it's, it's great. It's, he's a, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch, even though you have no idea what's going on at any time. Um, <laughs> I just so, want to be on that show just for that, like that Simpsons moment of, I like peeling squid guts out of. Yeah. Life goes thing. in, guts come out. Yeah. <laughs> um that's that's us for today john i believe a uh, fun episode and um, we'll have a new subject next week and then the following week we have um possibly the funnest interview we've ever done yes um, our our four-way menage a four with uh with <laughs> chris zupa the man himself and jens larsen in which we discuss is it necessary to learn music theory but that's not for another couple of weeks so yeah. we um stay tuned um, that would be so close to episode 50 as well. Oh my goodness. Maybe, maybe we should just put it off and hold it out to episode 50. Oh God, keep the people waiting after I've just teased them like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know, good. man. I mean, that, that seems like a good 50th episode. I think Unless so as well. Get, like Van Halen or something. But. <laughs> Dear Van Halen, it's us again. You never responded <laughs> to <you. laughs> um, Yeah, friends. Please include oh. a straight B guitar. Before before we go, I actually I want to recommend a video that I watched today before the show because I got into guitar mode and I was looking at loads of guitar videos. It's a video by Samurai Guitarist and it's called Toxic Attitudes Musicians Fall Into. Ooh. And I think it's really important for everybody on the show who's listening um, uh, just to go away and, and watch it right now because it's so important to see his perspective on, you know, getting jealous and you know feeling inferior because we all have those feelings when it comes to music you know it's kind of part of it so um yeah we will we'll actually link i will post that on the facebook wall and uh yeah you should really watch it uh samurai guitarist toxic attitudes just youtube that Uh, i'm gonna leave you with that as some homework sounds good sounds good um friends thank you very much much for listening this week you can find us on all the socials please send us an email if you dig the show we've gotten some fan mail before and it just it just made our days so if you could uh, let us know what you think and uh, we'll, we'll we'll see you again real soon stay sharp catchphrase Boop.